The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is God's word for today. We are in a series called Identity. And this series came out of a survey that was done among youth, really looking and asking the question, what are the topics that our current youth, our middle schoolers, our high schoolers, wanted the church to be able to address? And from that, there came three topics that the youth said, hey, if the church can't lean into these conversations then they didn't actually see value in the church. And those three issues were race and culture, um, uh, sexuality, and mental illness. This week we're looking at mental illness, which for my own family, uh, I mean, we've had addiction, we've had bipolar, we've had mania, we've had attempted suicide, and this is all within my immediate family. So this is a uh, topic that is close to home for me. This is a topic that, honestly, I under... Uh, not just even underappreciated, I thought it was going to be easier. Um, But this is not an easy topic. And so we're going to open with prayer. We're going to look at God's word, and we're going to let his truth uh, help guide us in this time. I'd ask you guys to pray with me. Lord, you designed us. You designed our bodies. You designed our minds. You designed our experiences. Lord, we come before you now asking that you speak. Lord, that as we continue to understand our core identity in your son, our core identity uh, in something external to us and yet something that you have given us and blessed us with, Lord, that we're able to draw a little bit closer to you, Lord, that we are able to stand on your truth, Lord, and that we are able to offer that truth to those who are wrestling uh, with their own dark thoughts or their own brokenness, especially when we look at mental illness. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So of these three topics, I will say that the church has probably progressed the most healthy is how we look at mental illness. Because when I was growing up in the church, now this is probably 30 years ago now, right? Um, There was this myth. And the myth was, if you had enough Jesus, you would not struggle with things like mental illness. And so the solution was, if you were fighting depression or if you're fighting bipolar or if you were fighting suicidal thoughts or whatever it is, you just needed more Jesus. Now, what I don't want you guys here to leave with was, Joshua said we don't need more Jesus. No, Pastor Josh is not saying that, right? All of us need more Jesus. I need more Jesus. As much of him as we can get. And yet, the 
myth that comes along with that is, oh, if you love Jesus enough, if you understand Jesus enough, then you're not going to struggle with things like mental illness. And what ends up happening when we do that is we start to rewrite the Bible how we think it should go. And so we'll make a Bible verse and we'll say, well, maybe Jesus said something like this. Come to me, all who have their life perfectly put together, and I will certify your success, right? Jesus did not say this. This is not how Jesus begins his ministry. At no point in Jesus' ministry do you hear the message, until your life is fully put together, until your family's in the right order, until you've got the right job and everything's going swimmingly, then you can come to me and I will rubber stamp and say, yes, you get Jesus certified success, right? That is not in scripture, right? Or in some churches, you can be like, come to me, all who are energized and excited about life, and I will give you an extra portion of success, right? But oftentimes we treat that in the church, or at least in my, our minds, we think that's what it's supposed to be. And so if we're not energized, if we're not excited, if we're not super joyful and charismatic and just this joy to be around, we think, oh, maybe God doesn't want me here right now. Maybe there's something wrong with me that is going to separate me from God. And Scripture doesn't say, come to me all who never struggle with doubts or addictions or depression suicidal thoughts, and then you can come to me and have a relationship with me and the church. That is not how the verse goes. We're going to read the verse in a moment. But the myth that's underlining this is this idea that we're supposed to figure out life by ourselves, that we're supposed to be strong enough by ourselves, that our own strength, our own right thinking our own way of doing things, and if we can't figure it out by ourselves, then we're less than, or we're too broken. This is not of Scripture. This is not of the Gospel. This is not of Jesus. In fact, what you see in Scripture, what you see in the Gospels, is Jesus showing up and going to those who are most broken. This might be physically broken. This might be broken from a society's perspective. This might be mentally broken. And he shows up and he loves them and he invites them into relationship with him. And then people start calling him out and they're like, Jesus, you're not supposed to be hanging out with those kind of people. They're too broken. They haven't figured it out yet. Their life isn't perfect yet. They're not doing it the right way. And Jesus' response says, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And I have come to call those who are lost, those who are sick. There is an invitation, and the verse goes, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't know if there is a more appropriate verse for where we are as a culture. Come to me all who are weary and burdened. Do you have any family members who are weary and burdened? Any coworkers? Any person you see in the mirror? We have a God who invites broken people who are weary and burdened and hurting and confused. And he says, I have a promise for you. You're not alone. And not only are you not alone, but I will give you rest. A 
I'll teach you, he says. He says, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, that's the promise. Now, the promise comes, and I talk about this a lot, where sin, right, destroys relationships. And we talk about how it destroys relationships with us and God, us and each other, and us and the world. But back in January, I was preaching at Acts Church Lakeline when we were doing that round robin sermon series when we had the different pastors in each church every week. And a counselor came up to me afterwards. And I had said those three things. He goes, you know what, Josh, I firmly believe that. He goes, that it does separate us from God, each other, and the world. But he goes, but it also separates us from ourselves. Because the longer that I've been in counseling, and the more that I work with people, the more I see the effects of sin actually not just tearing apart our relationships with external things, but it actually tears apart our relationship with our own minds. It separates us. It forces us apart from one another. It forces us apart from ourselves. And all of a sudden, we're divided. All of a sudden, there is a war that is going on in our heads that doesn't make sense. And as he was telling me that, the verse that came to mind comes from Romans. In Romans 7, Paul writes this. He says, I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. Right? So there's a part of me that wants good. There's a part of me that wants to love. There's a part of me that wants to have right thinking. But I see another law at work within me, waging against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. That's what we're talking about, right? Our mind is at war. <laughs> and dark thoughts come in. And wrong thinking comes in. And we can't figure out why. We live in a broken world. We live in a sinful world. And part of that sin, part of that hurt, doesn't just affect us externally with God or with each other or with the world, but it actually attacks from inside. And that's hard. Because right? when you can't trust your own thinking, what do you do? How do you respond? What does that look like? We're going to kind of flush that out. But looking throughout all of Scripture, one of the promises, one of the things I actually find hope in, is that Scripture is not filled with heroes. Right? Scripture, when you read through it, sometimes we make David look like a hero for fighting the giant. And there are times where God uses them and they rise up and powered by God and they do beautiful things. But when you look at their entire life, these are some messy mucked up people, right? I mean, Moses is constantly running from God, constantly making the wrong decision. Elijah, David, oh my gosh, David, this guy, he was all over the place. And yet God used him. When you read through the book of Psalms, David opens up his heart. And what you see is both someone who is wrestling with all kinds of stuff, but also a promise. This comes from Psalm 69. Tell me if this sounds familiar in your lives. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the floods engulf me. I am worn out, calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. 
Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs on my head. Many are the enemies, many are my enemies without cause. Those who seek to destroy me, I am forced to restore what I did not steal. David writes in the psalm, and what we see here is it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to be hurt. It's okay to have dark thoughts. It's okay not to be able to see God in a situation. This is scripture. This is our story. This is our family story. These are our spiritual ancestors. And part of what God saw in his goodness to provide for us was experiences that it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to have dark thoughts. It's okay not to know what to do. It's okay that there is something wrong inside of you. But what's beautiful is Psalm doesn't end here. It goes on, and what we see is David next says, I pray to you, O Lord, in the time of your favor, in your great love, O God, answer me with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mire. Do not let me sink. Deliver me from those who hate me from the deep waters. Do not let the flood floodwaters engulf me or the depths swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, O Lord. Out of the goodness of your love and your great mercy, turn to me. Do not hide your face from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in trouble. Come near and rescue me. Deliver me because of my foes. It is both okay not to be okay. But beyond that, we have a God who says, even when you're not okay, even when you're wrestling with me, even when you can't see me, even when those floodwaters are engulfing you, he says, but you can still call out to me. It doesn't disqualify you. He still invites his children into a relationship. He invites them to call out. He invites them to call him into the situation. And then what we begin to see is both what David feels is real, right? His feelings, your feelings when you're in a dark spot, those are real. But it doesn't mean that they're true, right? Because that difference, real and true, is what's going to hold this psalm together. David's in a rough spot. David's in a dark spot. He calls out to God, and then the psalm ends with this. The Lord hears the needy and does not despise his captive people. This is truth. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and all that move him then. For God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. Then people will settle there and possess it. The children of his servants will inherit it. And those who love his name will dwell there. What we find in David is that he has dark feelings. There are things in his mind that he has the opportunity or the option to believe. But instead he realizes, what's in my mind is not the full story, so I'm going to reach out to God, and the truth is God is moving. The truth is God surpasses our own understanding. I actually had that for the confirmation first. And the peace which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We have a God who comes in and promises to rescue us, who gives us truth. And this is really important because the part 
of mental illness that's probably the trickiest is this. Our minds will lie to us. They will, our minds will tell us things that are not true. They'll tell us that it's hopeless. They'll tell us that we're too broken. They'll tell us that this is the end. And that brokenness, that lie, steals life. And it's internal, and so we need an external truth to come into our lives and to do something. That's where our lesson today came from. Romans 12 says, therefore, and whenever you see therefore in the New Testament, it's almost always a pivot where the author is making one point, and then he'll say therefore, and he's like, so because this is true, this is where we go. And Romans 1 through 11 is talking about how we have a God who fights for us and a God who died for us and a Savior who went to the most extreme length to have a relationship with his people. All right? And then he says, therefore, so this is where he says this, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. All right? So living for God is worship. So he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This word right here, renew, in Greek, is the same word you would use to renovate a building. What Paul is writing to the church, he goes, you want to know how do you worship? You want to know how you offer your life as a pleasing sacrifice to God? He says, God wants to do a renovation in your mind. He wants to renovate those lies and that brokenness and that wrong thinking, and he wants to put his truth in, his foundation in, his promises in. Things like the songs that we sang, Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure. Those truths, those realities, he wants to renovate how we think. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, one of the promises of Scripture is that God isn't done yet that he is going to renovate and he is going to restore and he is going to recreate and he is going to use any tool to do it. Again, sometimes when it comes to Christianity, we can over-spiritualize things. But when we talk about mental illness, in the same way where if you were sick physically, I would pray for you. We might anoint you with oil. We would have the whole church rallying around you and supporting you. But then we would also get you to a doctor, Right? Sometimes with mental illness, we flip it. And we're like, well, no, we go back to that. Well, you just need more Jesus. Well, you do need more Jesus. Hear me, clearly. But you might also need medication or counseling or a community. God will use any tool to bring truth into your life. And all of them are at his disposal. Whether it's a group or a program, whether it's a pill, God is going to work through it to bring that truth into your life. Because our God said, for I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the access to the Father. 
And he said, and I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. See, that's the promise. So, Tuesday, my best friend called. Uh, this is Josh Hoffman. He's the one on the right. I have known him and his family for 12 years, and there are 12 Hoffman kids. They're kind of like the Von Trapps, right? They are all crazy successful. I kid you not, he works at Google, and he was one, he's one of the least successful kids in the family, right? And I met them when I was about 22, and they just adopted me into their family. And, you know, all these brothers and sisters, I've just watched them grown up, right? And I played with them, and I babysat them. Paulina on the right, who kind of looks like an anime character. That is Abby in the middle. That is uh, Charity on the left. And then that is Daniel on the left. Tuesday, Josh called me up and said, we've got to talk. I said, okay. Called him up, and he said, um, this morning, uh, my brother took his own life. Which... changed this whole message for me. Because all of a sudden, this wasn't an abstract idea anymore. This wasn't just a teaching. This wasn't just something I wanted you to learn. I have wrestled this entire week with both how to finish the sermon and what I would say to Daniel. This, was, this is a Christian family. They all went to church. Daniel's in heaven. And I, I, I don't know what he was thinking. But I didn't know one thing. It was a lie. I don't know what lie it was. But left to our own devices, our thinking, our broken thinking will lead to only one place, death. That's what sin does. That's the only ending spot. And so as I was praying and crying and wrestling, what I want you, what I want to share today if our own mind is going to lie to us, and all of our minds lie to us, the solution is to find places of truth. To cling to those places of truth. The ultimate foundation of that is in Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Cling to Christ, but also cling to the tools that Christ has given you. Community community that can speak truth into your life. Whether it's a counselor, whether it's a church group, find places of truth, and when the lies get the worst, hold fast, seek out, bury yourself, smother yourself in places of truth and of community. And in promises that are external to you, that are external to what's in your head. 
promises that Christ says, I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. That is truth. Promises that God says, I have now given you a new family in the church. That is truth. Promises that say no matter how dark it gets, the dawn is coming. This is not the end of the story. And we have a God who fights for you. We have a God who has plans for you. And we have a God of life and love. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you broken with all kinds of bad thinking. Thinking that if not by grace alone, Lord, would lead us to the darkest place there is. Lord, I pray for every person in this room. Lord, that you would give us our uniquely designed truth that we need. Lord, that combination of people and community and scripture and prayer. Lord, and I pray that we can be agents of that truth as we leave here. Lord, that as we encounter those who are wrestling, who are weary and who are burdened, Lord, that when we come into their lives, Lord, that we could bring your light and your life and your truth, and that narrative counters any false narrative in their minds. Lord, at the end of the day, we cry out. Lord, we come before you a good God who specializes in broken people. And we lift up our families to you. We lift up our community to you. We lift up ourselves to you. We say that's all in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.